bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! Yes, here we are, guys. We are back with another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. This is our first official episode, being it'll be our first review. But I just want to take a second really quick to say, hey, hi, Troy. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm excited uh, to jump into our first official episode because after our introductory episode, um, I felt a lot of love. I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful to everyone who tuned in and everyone who's already subscribed. You feeling what I'm feeling? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think the and that, it wasn't even an official episode. It was like you said, it was just an introductory episode and people seem to really, really dig it. So we appreciate that. And we are excited that you are going to hear this now, which is our first official episode. Yes, 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 yes. I'm so pumped because um. I feel like we were vibing. I was feeling it. And uh, now I'm just ready to talk shop with you and get into our first official review, which is going to be of the uh, the 2004, I believe, 2004 indie gay horror slasher. I would say classic at this point just because it is held up and it is still known amongst the community. It's Hellbent. Uh, it is a gay slasher from 2004, and it is, uh, I think, pretty pivotal within the genre, especially in the queer uh, queer horror genre. It really kind of set the set the a lot of landmarks in the sense of what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Um, so, if you have not seen Hellbent, or if you have seen Hellbent, um, little synopsis for you: it uh, it deals with four queer friends. Uh, who go out on Halloween night in, um, I believe it's West Hollywood, right? And there's a big old Halloween celebration every year in West Hollywood. And these four friends bump into this masked killer and end up antagonizing him by mooning him, which is kind of a funny scene. Um, but anyways, in, in classic slash, slasher form, the four friends are stalked and killed off during the um, the Halloween festival. So it's a very straightforward slasher plot directed by Paul Etheridge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, again, straightforward slasher flick. It does. I don't think it makes any qualms about it being a, a slasher flick. Straight, mm-hmm. straightforward. I agree on that completely. I think um, at that time there were no queer slasher flicks i can think of at least ones that were outwardly queer so um by all means <laughs> give us exactly what we expect from a slasher but give it to me gay and that's what they did you know <laughs> that's what they did down to um down to the design of the killer uh who is very uh, irrationally sexy um and uh really doesn't add anything to the plot other than the fact he's just so good to look at but you know what when you think of what slashers and horror in many ways represent what they uh, w- definitive trademarks uh, of, of the genre, the over-sexualization of these characters 
Um, in some movies, I might be resistant to it. In this movie, considering when they made it and, and how groundbreaking it was at that time, I embrace it. I do. I love the fact that they're like, like they took the, the whole trope of, you know, the, over, the over, uh, overly sexualized female and they just put it on the dudes because these are some hot guys. Yeah. Uh, some real hot guys. And I'm going to be honest, in 2004, when I was a senior in high school and I was still learning about myself, <laughs> um, Jake in this film. Oh, God. Uh, Brian Kirkwood. Brian Kirkwood, yeah. Uh, he, set, he, uh, he set my goal in life for the kind of man I want to be with in every way. Um, one of the hottest guys I've ever seen on camera. So they did a really good job of casting likable guys in these roles. And even though they overly, they did overly uh, sexualize them to a certain extent, I don't have a problem with it because I think they're pretty fleshed out and they're pretty likable nonetheless. Yeah, well, what, what's interesting about the film is, let's take it right to the beginning of the film, is the beginning of the film takes place at a lover's lane, a very cliched, you know, kind of, opening or setting for a horror film many films have used it final exam yep. opens that way uh lover's lane the film opens that way but you have this very cliched concept of two characters at a lover's lane making out in a car the killer shows up and it just so happens that the two people making out in the car are two gay guys so right away you kind of know where where the film is going and what it's attempting to do and we sit here and talk about it being a groundbreaking film which it very much is because, like you, I'm a huge horror fan, and I cannot really think of a, a film before this. Um, at least, a, kind of a even though this is an indie film, it's kind of a it was in it was in blockbusters. It was kind of out there. I can't think of another film where all the the characters are are queer. I know there are films with queer characters, but this one just it, it focuses solely on queer characters. Every character in the film is is gay. Or yeah. bisexual, um, yep. so that's interesting. But you kind of know right away what you're getting into with the, that opening scene, and it's kind of a really interesting scene. You know, the 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 killer shows up, and the two guys are going at it, and he happens to stick his head out the window and whack with the sickle. <laughs> yeah, and even though it was a very, like you said, you know, a very stereotypical, classic formula approach. Um, even in that early, the early kill scene, there was, you can tell that uh, this film was, even though it's done on a low budget, uh, it's an Indian, and you can tell it's a lower budget. You can tell that the, the director uh, had a vision, and you could tell that there was a stylized approach to this film right off the bat. That whole sequence with the balloons, and like, it just, you know, the sounds and everything, it was, you could tell it was very well thought out, and um, I, I just, I, I appreciate this movie from beginning to end, beginning to end even with its flaws, which do exist on this. I mean, how are they not going to? But um, uh, one thing, like, you know, you're mentioning the characters, and you said, you know, most of the, all of the characters are queer. They're gay or bisexual. Um, there's a few choices that they made in developing this story that, for the time, I thought were pretty progressive. I mean, it's already progressive being a gay slasher. But um, when I think of a lot of gay cinema... Uh, especially independent. A lot of times it focuses, it's gay or it's lesbian and you, that's what you get. And, and you don't get a lot of characters who fall in the middle of the spectrum. Uh, you don't get a lot of bisexual characters that really get explored. Um, I almost feel like within the LGBTQ plus community, at times bisexual individuals are kind of like ostracized or outcast. Maybe it's because we feel we can't completely relate to them. I don't know, you know, but I do feel that that is a breakdown of our community that does not get as much love and attention 
at times. And I love that the one character in this is right off the bat introduced as being bisexual and confident in himself. It was, I think, uh, Chaz. Chaz. Chaz, yeah. Chaz, yeah. And right off the bat, you're aware of it. He's very confident. He is accepted for who he is. I love that. And another character who has a journey in this that I thought was pretty impressive was, um, I think, is it Toby? The, the, the underwear model. So- Toby, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I mean, we're, we're probably going to jump all over the place with this instead of talking kind of like in a linear motion about the film, because, I mean, that's just, I think it's going to lend itself to this conversation. Yeah, Toby, that is a very interesting character because the fact is that he, throughout the whole film, is dressed in drag. Mm-hmm. Um, and what makes that interesting is the fact that he is this gorgeous underwear model. Uh, he's a gorgeous in real life. He, even there's the scene where he stands in front of the billboard yeah. uh, that he's on and wants the, wants the guy to take a picture of him. Yeah. I find it very interesting because he's dressed in drag and he, you know, he thinks he's going to get all this attention, um, being dressed in drag and, and like nobody, none of the people that he encounters that night really gives him the time of day. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's very real and even relevant today when you think about like drag queens and how they're viewed or accepted um feminine guys versus masculine guys and that whole concept in the gay community and it was this was 2004 so to put that in this film was even and it's relative it's relative today like i said it goes on today i just find it very interesting and in fact his death scene is kind of sad because you know he he could have easily lived. The killer didn't want anything to do with him because he was a drag queen. You know, this killer is going after hot guys, collecting their heads, etc. Toby shows up, wants his attention. The killer looks at him, turns away from him. And it isn't until Toby tosses him his driver's license to show him, hey, look, and I'm a good looking guy, that the killer is like, oh, yeah, and there you go. Um, so, that, I mean, I feel like that's such a kind of deep touch to add to the film. Yeah, and, and you know Kudos to them for, while they didn't explore it to the extreme, I think, they, that stories do today, mm-hmm. um, it did set a landmark, again, goal of, of delving into a very relevant topic, which is how we treat each other within our own community. Oh, it, yes. You know, feminine men are often ostracized or criticized. Mm-hmm. Um, we have such a mentality of perpetuating these masculine uh, personalities, even though that may not be who we are. And it's, um, it was sad. The whole, his whole storyline is very nuanced for being a film of this, of this genre, you know, Mm -hmm. a gay slasher, like Mm -hmm. kudos to them for just even briefly touching on it at that time and opening the doorway to that being further explored in later films. So I loved that about it. That, and a few, like I said, you know, there's a few scenarios within this film where they really uh, took some risks they didn't have to in 2004. So I love that right off the bat. Um, one thing I will say, you know, because I do think it's we're going to bounce all over the place, and this is a topic I just don't want to lose because it is always in my mind when I think of Hellbent. Mm-hmm. One thing that and I want to, I just want to see how you you feel about this. Um, the, the design of the co- the costume of the killer mm-hmm. is one thing in this film that. It's, you know, it's funny, it's cheeky, I, I get what they're going for. Do I think it was absolutely necessary? No. Um, the need to make him a hot daddy killer, to sexualize the 
villain aspect is one thing I've always kind of been disheartened by, but like I get it at the same time. And from a marketing perspective, how does the killer design read for you? I mean, yeah, this is one, this is one hot killer. I mean, you never see his face, but he's wearing throughout the film, he's wearing like this skin tight devil. It's a skin tight, uh, like what would you call it? Bodysuit, but it's, there's no top. Yeah, no, there's no top. It's a skin tight. And then the, then the devil horn thing. Um, I mean, I, I guess it never bothered me because, uh, you know, I, I, like you said, I know what they were going for since this is a very traditional, like slasher, I don't know if you would even call it homage, but it's a, you know it's very paint by the number slasher film. I, I I understand that they were trying to get this iconic kind of look for their killer, and right. it works. I think it works. Um, yeah. I mean, every character in this film I feel like is is sexualized in some respects. So the killer, I mean, killer falls right in line with that. Um, you know, there's not one. You know, there's not one bad looking. <laughs> actor in this film um and kind of something else that i find very interesting is that you kind of you kind of hit on it all the characters in this film are very likable i think that adds to the impact of the film because so many slasher films especially contemporary slasher films have seemed to gone the other way and make the characters unlikable like you want to see them get killed And in this respect, every one of these characters is extremely likable. I I think Um, even the character of Jake, who is kind of the kind of uh, standoffish with Eddie at the beginning, uh, you really warm up to him. Oh, yeah. Uh, And, you know, the lead, the lead, Eddie, Dylan Fergus, played by Dylan Fergus, is extremely likable. But I can tell you, and again, jumping all over the place, one of the scenes that is really heartbreaking to me that gets me every time is this is Joey, the character of Joey. Yeah. Um, and his demise Yeah. because it felt very realistic to me that, and this goes back to what we were talking about is how you treat, how we treat each other in the community is he has, he has a huge crush on this guy, like this cute, innocent, like puppy dog crush that is so cute on this guy that doesn't really give him the time of day when he's in front of his friends. It's not until he's, he's alone with him that he makes the move because he doesn't feel like this Joey character is his type. He doesn't want his friends to know he's into this kind of, you know, awkward kind of, you know, nerdy looking kid. So it isn't until he's alone with them that he makes his move. And then he's, he's extremely Joey gets extremely giddy and he's excited that his crush actually gave him the time of day, gave him his phone number and you can just see the the happiness on his face, and then what happens, you know? But it's it's very realistic. I mean, I I just think about something personal here. Is like I just remember that. I mean, I I I didn't step foot in a gay bar until I was like 22, because I was in a relationship when I was 18 and lived with the guy for four years, and we just never I just never went into a gay bar. So like the first time I went into a gay bar, I was like terrified. But as you go and you kind of see people, I just remember that same thing happening is like me having a crush on this guy who who was there all the time, which should have been a red flag, but it you know wasn't back then. And he wouldn't give me the time of day until one day we were just you know happened to meet up. He wasn't with his friends, and he started. I mean, so that just it gets to me. That scene really just hits hits home because it's very realistic. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I and I absolutely and the the fact that it's this young 
Uh, he's like the he's the baby of the group, and the yeah. fact uh, one I think he's is he the first of the group to go. He is the first yeah. to go. Yeah, and yeah. like it is the fact that this the killer like you can tell that he's targeting and selective of who he's killing, and like it just really is a moment where you're like, oh my god, that's the one like that character, the sweetest character is axed off so fast. You kind of realize that um, there's that no one is safe mentality. I feel pretty quick, pretty uh, right off the bat with this film, which I do appreciate. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. They do a really good job of, I mean, honestly, even their kills for being, I mean, for being a queer horror film, at times I feel that the violence and gore has been secondary mm-hmm. over the queer factors, and at least in some of these earlier films. Not in this case. That reveal always impressed me. The decapitation reveal oh, when, those, yeah. when those two sassy gays open that yeah, stall and yeah, they have yeah, that. Yeah. What a what a reveal! Um, and consistently, I I remember like there's so many moments in this film where I was like, okay, the the drug. There's a sequence where Chaz is um, dancing. He's out partying and he's and he takes drugs and like that is relevant. Mm-hmm. That ties into this community very much so. And he gets drugged and everything that follows with that. Well thought out kill sequence. So um. There's a lot of reasons for this movie, at the time it came out, there's a lot of reasons to be impressed by it. Um, even if, like I said, even if I have my little gripes with like the killer being over-sexualized, um, and I understand everyone else being over-sexualized, but it's, I, when I think of a lot of mainstream films, I, I can't think of um, many films that took the sexy angle with the killer. Of course, <laughs> of course it's the gay one. So yeah. I feel that's kind of a trope and kind of a stereotype, but does it work at the same time? Like, yeah. It does. Could they have done it without? I think so. But still, like, whatever. It is. It, it works for me nonetheless at this point in the game because it's solidified its place in horror slasher history um, just by being ballsy enough to do what it did. Well, just curious, just curious, because I, I, I'm just curious. What, what, what would you have preferred the killer look like or be d- dressed as or just I, mean, I don't want to sit there necessarily and design my uh, costume so much as just um i would challenge them to not over sexualize just not make them sexualize yeah because i do think that one one trope and one you know stereotype i do get from a lot of these lower end queer films across the board uh, and it's not necessarily a bad thing because i like seeing naked dudes but um <laughs> is the need to sexualize our community um and i just think that they pushed it in every possible angle they push the sexuality here you know you get the mooning sequence all of the boys are dressed sexy they go to a club called meat um, (laughs) where it's like a bondage club like it is pushed so far and i love it but i also feel there's times like if you're trying to push this as a, a film that the mainstream audiences can view um I think sometimes you need to be able to step back and be like, oh, regardless of who these characters are, this is terrifying. Having that layer of sexuality from beginning to end takes away some of the fear factor for me. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Totally, totally. I mean, I, I again, I kind of see why they did it, because it makes the killer attractive. Like, if you think about going back to, like, Toby's death scene, yeah. if the killer wasn't some, you know, hot daddy walking around shirtless... Toby would have never approached him, mm-hmm. you know, let's be honest. So, which is interesting because of his whole storyline, but um, that's why he initially approaches the killer at the end right. when he, right before he gets killed. Um, yeah. One thing about this film that's very impressive, again, with the low budget, 
is I I mean it, it looks great and the set design is the set pieces are wonderful like they they actually filmed during uh the the whole Halloween parade it looked like yeah. uh it was all realistic and everything was going on and what really impressed me is the sound sound is great for being you know this indie film I mean you you the sound design was 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 really good yeah yeah I mean honestly technically across the board it outdid my expectations uh it looks and sounds a lot better than it i think it should have considering the budget um and even like with even like with the little gripes i'm presenting i also have to like i gotta keep in mind the evolution in queer cinema from 2004 to 2020 is pretty astonishing Mm -hmm. and um as much as i may have little criticisms here and there i just want to like acknowledge how far we have come since this time and even the urge to, you know, sexualize or what have you, certain certain characters. Um, if you look at, at the movement in cinema in general in the last even five, ten years, uh, the body positivity movement mm-hmm. and so forth, uh, the need to have every character be a beautiful individual, that's not where cinema is heading outside of queer cinema. Um, so this is something like I need to step outside of this being hellbent and just look at where film was at in 2004. And this is not just strictly a hellbent thing. This is, I think, horror cinema in general. It's it's all progressed so much in the last few years. And so I do need to like kind of lighten my criticisms on this movie because it was very much a product of the time. Yes. And if you consider the time, it is still ahead of it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, this is a film. And, you know, I, I feel like I don't know... I mean, I, I don't know how well known this film is kind of to younger horror fans. Um, you know, I know I know it's kind of a staple with with gay horror fans. I know a lot many probably most gay horror fans have seen this film, but I'm just kind of thinking of like younger mainstream uh, you know audiences if they're they're familiar with this film um, because you know it's it's a post post scream slasher film that goes right back to the roots of the eighties slasher. You know, I don't feel like, I feel like tonally the film is very much in line with what you would see in the eighties. What I appreciated it is it didn't take the self-referential tone that a lot of slasher films after scream did it. You know what I mean? That, Oh, they felt like they had to kind of do, Oh, well be, have that kind of humorous element run through it. And this film does not, it's very, serious the tone is very serious um and what i mean the characters like i said the characters in this film are extremely likable and that makes the film just that much more charming and endearing i mean even re-watching it you know for this this podcast i was like these are some of the, probably some of the most likable characters i've seen in a slasher film in a long long time um you don't want to see them you know get murdered and What's interesting is, I, like I said, this where, like you mentioned, the Chaz scene where he gets where he gets uh, drugged and he's on the dance floor and he's he actually gets killed on the dance floor. Kind of reminded me of like the opening of Scream Two because you know people aren't really aware of that it, what's happening to him is like real. Um, and people think it's a Halloween prank, um, and I guess that leads into the climax of the film. And if I, if I was to, and we can get into this, but if I was going to have any criticism about this film it would definitely be probably the last what 15 minutes of the film uh, when it gets anything that gets a little too over the top for me uh happens within that time frame 
I would say. Well, yeah, my problem is, okay, so we'll get into the end. And we can, like I said, we might bounce back and touch on some other things if we think about it. But my problem with the end of the film is that you get the you get the really cool scene, Chaz's death scene, and when it's 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 revealed that he's actually dead, and they you know everyone's kind of abandoning the the dance floor in the club, and the killer comes after uh, Eddie, and you have that iconic scene that's the poster art where Eddie is hiding like behind a gate, and the killer yeah. uses a sickle. And hits him in the face, hits him in the eye. But Eddie, we is revealed has a glass eye. So, the, yeah, <laughs> the, the the sickle hits his glass eye, uh, which is a really cool. I mean, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so then they go to the police station. Blah blah blah. I feel like the film loses some of its. What's the word I'm looking for? Some of its realism yeah. at that point because okay, your friend, your best friend was just murdered. Okay, so you go back to your apartment with Jake, which, hey, it's fine, but they don't seem all that concerned that their friend was murdered. And then they're like, oh, well, um, you know, they get in bed and they're kind of having that little, you know, sexual rendezvous. And he can't he can't Jake handcuffs Eddie to the bed. and It's like, hey, you want to fuck me? And he goes to look for condoms. I'm like, okay, your friend was just murdered. Okay. And yeah, let's fuck. But we were at a out dancing and at a rate at a big old party all night. We're going to go take a shower first if that's going to happen. You know, it just it just does. It just it, it just I couldn't get over the fact that they, they, they don't seem too concerned that their friend was just decapitated in, in a club. Yeah, it almost feels to a certain extent like that ending bit was added on for like time. To a certain, to a certain yeah. extent, um, but because uh, yeah, you know, it definitely like the whole movie is built on a rather impressive production value, and then like it's restricted to like one location, and it's his home, and it just kind of goes. Boom. But like, I don't want to say there's moments even within that sequence that still work for me. Um, it just uh, I, you, you hit the nail on the head in the sense that I think it loses some of the emotional realism yeah. of how characters would process trauma. Um, and should I really look for that from a, in a gay slasher from 2004? No, but would I like that? Would I like a little more like nuance to that? Absolutely. Um, at least these two characters, Jake and Eddie, are played by two skilled actors yeah. who even, they managed to transcend the material. I would say this is just a material issue, if anything. Um, and kind of transcend beyond a few of these cheesier elements and uh, even like that glass eye reveal in concept on paper that should not work. The yeah. glass eye is <laughs> absurd, but because this character is played like his, his emotional baggage that he has, the way that he's, you know, the, the character of Eddie is portrayed um, his fear of like, he's got that whole backstory with his father and his fear of like getting close to another man. Like, I can touch on that. I can relate on that. And luckily, these actors transcend beyond the material at times to make you care even when you don't necessarily feel like you should. You know, so again, coming back to these actors uh, uh, being, I think, really what sets the tone for this film and why it works uh, is because you have luckily have a skilled cast of talent who are leading the material. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would totally. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. The cast, the cast is is great. They have good chemistry together. Uh -huh. All of them. 
they all they all have really good chemistry. Um, you really buy the fact that these are four friends. Um, and Jake and Eddie's chemistry together is kind of electric once they get past Jake's standoffish attitude towards Eddie initially. I feel like their chemistry is certainly electric throughout the film. Yeah, yeah I love that, that. And that ending just sort of just like sort of bothered me because the film was going along so well, so realistic. And then, you know, the, it was painting the characters throughout the whole film as being very realistic, very relatable. And then you get to the end and it's like, oh, well, oh, well, our friend was decapitated. Let's go have sex. I yeah. mean, it just it didn't ring very well. And then, you know, the silliness at the end where the kill the very last shot with a killer with the glass eye in his mouth. That was kind of <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Yeah where the killer like i think i for me uh, at the end of the day i'd say the killer himself um is the one area that i would have maybe liked to have seen a different approach but again i I, i've come to accept it for what it is but yeah a few of the choices made with the killer and what he does and how he responds to people and honestly the fact that it's a non-reveal this is a film that took a lot of uh, a lot of chances um being you know an lgbtq slasher um, to leave it with just an open-ended, like, who is the killer? Uh, I was disappointed. That was me. This is one film where I would have liked a, a, a conclusion. Um, well, yeah. I was wondering. I was going to, I mean, that's one big question, and I'll ask you, and then I'll, how do you feel about, I mean, you just basically answered it, but it's one of those things that if any, if I hear, when I do hear people discuss this film or I do read about it, it's always mentioned that you don't know who the killer is. Like, it's never revealed who it is, what his motive is. Uh, None of that is ever discussed. It's not even ever hinted at, really. You just know know that this killer goes around cutting people's heads off. What's his his motivation? We don't know. Who is it? We don't know. Is he gay? We don't know. Is it? We don't know anything about the killer. I'm fine with that in a way that because my favorite horror film of all time is Black Christmas. You never know who that killer is. You get a hint at what his motivation might be, but you just never know who it is. And it, it, I don't know. I don't know. For some people, that's a problem. For me, it's just it's one of those things that makes it maybe a little bit more creepy or effective that you just have this bad man going around killing people. And, and, and it reminded me kind of of the 80 slasher final exam where you have this killer who's not even in a costume. He, it's this killer's unmasked throughout the whole film, killing people on the college campus. You don't know who it is. You don't know why. You don't know anything about it. And mm-hmm. I, sometimes I feel like that works. Mm-hmm. For this film, I mean, I feel like maybe it would have been more beneficial or effective for them to at least hint at yeah why who he was or why he was doing it because is it is he some homophobe i mean yeah you know i the term i would use in this case would be missed opportunity yeah honestly it's because and i i hear you man i do i i I, there's a plenty of films i love that do the open-ended you don't know who done it um and and i was honestly even going to say black you know coming bringing up black christmas the original black christmas would have been one i'd throw out you never know, but you assume. Yeah. Because they lay out some really nicely placed, um, not even like red herrings, but like the phone calls and things like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He is present. The, you know, Billy is is omnipresent from the beginning. And you know in your gut 
that that's tied into it. You know, this one, you don't get any red herrings. You don't get any hints. You just got this guy from the beginning, the sexy fucking daddy in this skin tight leather suit with a sickle killing gays. And do I necessarily need to know, have a fight, have it be revealed that Jake was the killer or something? No, no, no. But what I do want to know is what is the intention? What is the motivation? Because that is with this being the film it is. There is plenty of room to explore that. And I do think, again, in the sense of the material being areas where the independent uh, material kind of breaks through um, a lot. There's focus placed on a lot of these characters and a lot of their sexuality and a lot of that where I would have loved to have seen the, the, the core intention behind why these characters are the ones that are being focused on and killed. I mean, it's literally just that they're pretty and there's nothing more like that's it. This is a, this is a groundbreaking LGBTQ slasher. Give me a little bit more. That's one thing I do. I do wish this film offered was more insight as to the what and the why and the who of who's behind that mask. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, I understand that completely because it, it really being the gay, being a gay themed slasher film, like I said, you have, you have lots of thoughts running through your mind about what could be motivating this killer. Is it, you know, like I said, is he gay? Is it some closet case that can't come to terms with his sexuality? Was he, who knows? I mean, it's just so weird that, yeah. Why, why is he focusing yeah. on gay guys? Because that's yeah. all he's killing in the film. And, you know, you kind of get, I mean, it, it, it isn't even that revealing. The only thing, the only other, the only motivation you ever get with regards to the killer in the entire film is at the beginning when the four friends are, are walking through the woods and they see him yeah. and they, they moon him. And so them mooning him becomes his motivation for stalking him the rest of the night and killing. I don't know. It yeah. just, like I said, it should have, there should have been something, just a little hint. And actually bouncing off of that, I'm so very surprised that this film never had a sequel. Yeah. I mean, this was, it was left wide open. And I just kind of wonder what, what yeah. happened if it was ever discussed because yeah. I, I feel like this film, at least now I feel like it had to have some success. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty well-known slasher film in some respects, especially in the gay community. So I'm, I'm wondering if a, if a sequel was ever discussed, um, yeah. why it never came to fruition. I mean, I guess there's a lot of reasons, but it, this was, this is definitely one of those films that is ripe for a sequel because yeah. obviously at the end, the killer is still alive. Um, yeah. It's just weird that they never, they never, I mean, I understand it's really hard to make a movie. I was reading the trivia on this film and it, I mean, it took them, it took him a long time to actually film this. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I feel that this is one of those films that, again, you know, a lot happens, has happened um, between 2004 and, and 2020. And I think at the time it came out, like, oh, my God, what a ballsy, a ballsy choice to make a film of this nature. That's also trying to be a mainstream slasher because. They were giving the gays what they want, and they were giving, honestly, this movie delivers in the sense of what slasher fans want, gay, you know, preference aside. How many movies, Troy, have you and I watched as two gay men in which women are, are exploited and nude? And, and, and so if a, if, a, if a straight person can't sit down and watch this movie at this point in 2020, that's their own journey they need to get over. Because this movie delivers as a slasher film. Um, but still... In, in 2004, ballsy choice um, and not necessarily easy to market. 
but it still did find its success in its own right. And I do feel if there was ever a time to capitalize on that and bring this film back into the spotlight, it is right now. Because I think they could do things with this material uh, and a sequel. They could delve in so much deeper uh, because they don't have to be scared of doing so. I think it would be embraced. It would be accepted uh, in a way that it would never have been uh, accepted in 2004. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, the ending is it's ripe for a sequel. Um, I'd love to see that happen because I would love to see them revisit this material with a 2020 mentality mm-hmm. and give us some characters that are even more relatable uh, in the sense of their physical presentation and otherwise um, and delve into this killer. I don't mind, you know what, I don't mind ending a movie knowing a little bit about the killer if the sequel is presented in, in a way that it'll explain it to me. So mm-hmm. if you give me the answers I'm waiting for, I'll eat my fucking words on that killer, you know? Um but I would, I would love to see this revisited. I would like to see these characters come back, the ones that can, um, because God, they're hot. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, man, it is now's the time. So I stand with you on that. I think at the end of the day, criticisms aside, this film uh, delivers exactly what it was intending to deliver to its audience, its fan base, and then some. I think it outdid my expectations, even now, looking back on it. What an entertaining film. Yeah, it's it's gritty, it's ballsy, it's 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 well done, it's well acted. You're gonna care about the characters. Uh I mean, I don't know what else, you know, what much more to say about the film. It, it's I, I definitely highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um and if especially if you're a gay horror fan, I feel like it's a staple that you absolutely should check out absolutely. because it really it really is, I mean, one of the first if not the first gay themed slasher film out there. And what's interesting is even, even now 20, you know, it's 2020, there still isn't a lot of gay themed slashers out there. We mentioned it la- on our last episode that there's start, there's a few that are starting to, they're starting to come to the forefront, which is awesome. But you know, this one is really one that started it all. And, and it's, it holds up extremely well. I was surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, What's your any uh, any like what are your any other thoughts that we might have missed or um no man I mean honestly like it's funny when I watched this movie um I and when I revisited it I I really like ended up being like wow like this is an example of what you can do on an indie level um and succeed across the board um I don't care how small that budget was they made a movie that looked better than it needed to it's still indie but but like they kind of hit all of their goals and did it well. And um, as I keep saying, minor criticisms I may have aside, this film uh, is just a really fun slasher. Queer elements aside, it's a fun slasher. And I will say, uh, you said, you know, you, you want to urge uh, uh, queer listeners to to watch it just because of being a gay film, but I really want to encourage uh allies and straight listeners oh, to yeah. give it a shot too just because you know what being 2020 uh i think you should be able to look past the uh the sexual elements and the queer elements of this and just see a really good horror film that regardless of who the characters are it, it hits the mark um and there's some great gore and there's some fun scares and it's well paced 
and the characters are well fleshed out. Yeah, across the board, man. It's really it, it's really impressive what these guys managed to do. And just really quick, going off what you said um, about the other gay slashers, there are not many, but they are uh, trickling out one by one. Yes. And love seeing this, and I love encouraging you to delve into that more, and our friends to delve in that more. And we talked a little bit about you know Killer Unicorn, which uh, our friend Chris Jenner is in. And, yeah. And. Uh, I want to acknowledge that one more time, just because we're, you know, we're talking about the gay slasher. I want to keep these fresh in people's minds. And I do want to acknowledge that Death Drop Gorgeous is having its digital premiere on Saturday the 25th. Uh, those boys have worked hard in that movie, and it's finally going to be viewable. I think tickets are still available for their digital premiere. So go to their Facebook page, because uh, I want to see these other queer filmmakers have a chance to get their work out there. Yeah, and, you know, digital premieres seem to be all the rage now with COVID. So um, I know you mentioned you were looking into one for um, Rebirth, and yep. I'm actually doing the same thing with for teacher shortages, trying to figure out how, you know, to get audience, how to get the people that want to see it to be able to see it without, you know, not, with COVID, it's kind of hard to say, oh, I'm going to show it in the theater now. So, right. yeah, um, so that should be something interesting to, to kind of keep – uh an eye out for is yeah definitely check out our death drop gorges um yeah. i think you'd have a lot of fun with that one as well um so but anyways yeah hellbent highly recommended for yep. me for sure yep i really enjoyed watching it this time around like i said it it, it, held, it holds up very well the characters again i uh very few death scenes this might make me sound like you know I don't know, soulless or something, but very few death scenes in films usually affect me, but I always get bothered by poor Joey's death because he has such that flash of joy that you, you can relate to as a kind of a young gay that's, you know, just putting himself out there. Uh, and then, yeah, it, it is kind of shocking that he's the first one to go, but yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. Yeah, Check man. it out. Wait. I agree across the board. So that was hell bent. We got one done. We got one done. I, hopefully, I mean, we have, we'll get in our groove. I feel we're 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 still <laughs> keep in mind we're still new at this. We'll we'll get in our groove. Um, Roger got their groove back. Yeah, we just want to make this more <laughs> conversational and just kind of bantering back and forth with each other about our films, about these films that we select. Yeah. So hopefully, you will get a kick out of it agree with what we're saying, disagree with what we're saying. We, we just want you to listen. Yeah. And if you dig what, yeah. And if you dig what we're doing, you know, give us a five star rating on iTunes. Yay. That helps. Yeah. Or comment or leave a comment on our Facebook page. Uh, we just want to make sure that we got, we are, um, we want to make sure we're giving the listeners material that resonates with them and that, uh, we're touching on films that you guys, uh, enjoy and if you're not familiar with them at least we're introducing you to material that uh, that you come to enjoy you know and if you guys have suggestions on films uh, oh yes please yes yeah. send us suggestions through fa through our Facebook page well I guess we can reveal what film we are going to discuss next episode please please reveal. yeah because it's my it's it's my pick and Roger then will get to pick for the next the next two episodes and then hopefully we'll get some of your your requests as well because we do want to cover films that you're interested in here oh i know what i was going to say that i couldn't remember i guess we should have uh, should have kind of made this 
disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast, but we will be spoiling these films. Sorry. Um, but that's that should be assumed, right? I don't know. But um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if they don't know now they know yeah yeah okay so the film that we will be discussing our next episode is a the 1998 post scream slasher film the clown at midnight starring margot kidder oh we love her an academy award winner christopher Plummer. Um, and this film is, I mean, we'll talk about it with our next episode, but it, it also has kind of a little gay element to it because there is a, there's a gay character in the film. So, yeah. But yeah, that's what we'll be discussing with our next episode. So if you haven't seen it, watch it between now and then and see if you agree with what uh, we say about it. Yeah. Let me tell you, if there's one thing I got a weakness for, it's a Margot Kidder. Oh, God, yeah. I love her. I can't get enough of Margot Kidder. Um, so I'm, yeah, this is going to be great. I can't wait. Um, and, uh, what a fun title for number two. Yes. It's one that I haven't seen covered. Um, so that's, I'm really excited to do it. Yeah. And my dogs are barking again. I don't know who keeps knocking at my door, but please stop. All uh, those boys. boys uh, probably a line of them, but <laughs> sorry for the dogs in the background. I, I literally have myself barricaded in a closet to avoid noise. And yeah, so. Apparently that didn't work out too well. Uh, this is podcast on a zero budget, everybody. Yeah. Low budget podcast. We will improve, we promise. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, so right. yeah, that's it. Yeah, this was five minutes. We've guys, let us know what you're thinking. Don't forget to leave us some love. Five star review it. Uh, and uh, we will be back in a week or two with this brand new entry. Yeah, Tuari? Absolutely. Awesome. So yeah, thank you for tuning in. Thank you all. You guys have a good one. <laughs>